It really is. That's where our hope is at, is that we serve a risen Savior, that He's exactly who He said He was. And I don't think we can just stumble in here and wander in here next Sunday morning and celebrate that without purpose, without intentional preparation to celebrate. Today is, is known as Palm Sunday. This is the, the Sunday that, that Jesus came into um, Jerusalem. Um, and that's what we're going to read about and talk about. And then the events from today to next Sunday are, are the days and the events and the things that Jesus did in the latter days of his life, the last days of his life this next week. And I don't think you should miss that. I think you should spend this week reading through those events and look at, I mean, think about it. Did it take Jesus by surprise that he was that the day that he died? No, he knew it was coming, right? So if you knew you were going to die on Friday, what would you spend this week doing? Preparing the world. In Jesus' case, you'd be preparing the people closest to you by giving them as much love and as much information as you could possibly give them until that day, right? So that's what Jesus did. So to look at his teachings in this last week, remember, he knows he's out of here. He knows it's all coming to an end. So I would imagine that some of the things he taught were some of the things that he thought were most important for us to know, right? So it'd be a good idea, and I'm going to give you a whole list of these things. That's what my message is this morning, is trying to give you, give you some things that I think will help you prepare to come in here ready to worship next Sunday morning, to celebrate the single most important event in the history of the world. And if you call yourself a Christian, it's definitely the most important thing that's ever happened. I don't think we can just stumble in here next Sunday and just celebrate He is seen, He is risen, and celebrate it properly. I think it's going to take at least a week. As a matter of fact, I started thinking on this last week, I've got a week head start on you. I've already done some of these things because I knew I had to come in here and challenge you to do them, and I wanted to make sure that I was capable of doing them. We're going to get to that. First, we're just going to look at Matthew chapter 21, 1 through 11. We're going to read through this um, scripture, and, and this is the story of, of his triumphal arrival. Of course, this is played out in all four Gospels. You can get a different account from four different points of view. Um, I don't know why I chose Matthew. It's just the one that, that I ended up writing on the paper, I guess. I've read all four of them and, and looked at all four of them and looked at the references. Um, I even went yesterday and bought me a, a new study Bible um, and went back home last night and read it through it again, all four accounts, and just kind of looked at it um, from a different perspective and point of view and somebody else's uh, commentary on that. So... Um, spent a lot, of, a lot of time looking at this, and I don't believe that Matthew's is no better than Luke's or, or better than Mark's or better than John's. It's just the one we landed on. There's four versions of this. You can get it out of Matthew 21, 1 through 11, Mark 11, 1 through 10, Luke 19, 29 to 38, John 12, 12 through 15. All of those are the same story from somebody else's perspective. This is the one we'll look at this week. 
<clears throat> now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me, and if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Let's pray. Father and our God, I, I ask, Father, for your um, presence to be felt this morning, your guidance. Father, I, I pray for your guidance over this message this morning. I pray that all that I say and do, Father, would be glorifying to your name. It would be your will. Father, that you would lock up my, my uh, opinions, that you would bind them, Father, that that only your opinions would come out this morning. Father, I pray that you would show us how to prepare to celebrate such a large event that's coming up. I pray, Father, for your um, guidance in each individual, that each one of us, Father, as individuals, when we come back together to assimilate next week, would be changed by the experiences of this coming week. Father, I just pray for you to continue to be with our, our youth and the leaders and, and the helpers, Father, that are there, the ones that are um, preparing the food, the ones that are teaching the classes, the ones that are doing the worship. I just pray, Father, that you would bless them in a special way um, for having the heart and, and the courage to, to do the things that they do to, um, to grow our youth in you and your word. I pray that you would be with every youth in attendance, that you would open their hearts to your word, that they would come back, Father, just overwhelmed with spiritual maturity. Father, that, that, they would, that they would share it with us, that they would share it with their schoolmates and their classmates. Father, I just pray for you to continue to um, grow us closer to you as individuals and as a church. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> reading through this, the, the first thing that stood out to me when I started reading this um, was in verse 1. It says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples from there. And that Mount of Olives jumped off at me for some reason, and I got stuck there and I kept going, God... Why am I stuck on Mount Olive, Mount of Olives? What, what is the significance and how does this play into a sermon? And, and I just got to looking up different events that had taken place on the Mount of Olives. And I wanted to share some of that with you. You can go and look that up and, and there's things from Old Testament um, that took place at, at this particular place. Um, there's some other things from the New Testament. Um, but what really caught my eye and got my attention and got me to thinking the things that God uh, concentrated my brain on was the things that happened 
following this event. In other words, in the coming week, what all is going to take place in this place. Um, and all you have to do is flip a couple pages in your Bible to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, start reading in verse 3. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us then, tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now remember I told you that you would think that a man that knew it was his last days would spend his time teaching the most important things he thought he could possibly teach and tell, right? This is an example of that. His disciples have come to him. They're privately on, on Mount of Olives. Remember, we're on the Mount of Olives. And he's te- fixing to tell them about the tribulation. He's fixing to tell them about his second coming. He needed them to understand it. He needed them to know it, right? He's fixing to be gone. It's going to be up to them to pass these things along. He's not going to be there to guide them through these things personally anymore. They're on the Mount of Olives when he does this. Go Matthew 26, 30 through 35. Matthew 26, 30 through 35. <clears throat> and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. They keep returning to this place, don't they? Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been risen, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. You know, y'all are obviously familiar with that. It took place on the Mount of Olives. It, it, keep that, lock that in. And I'd love to get into some things about that, but there's a message coming on that, so we'll, we'll hold off on that. Matthew 26, 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. You know where that is? It's on the Mount of Olives. We're still in the same place. We're, we're still right here. This is the story where he goes and prays three times for this cup. You know, if I got to drink it, I'll drink it. But if there's any other way, let's do it some other way. I want to tell you that, that sometimes in order for you to prepare for a celebration, in order for you to get your mind to a right spot, in order for you to get your heart to a right spot, sometimes it's good to be in a particular place. Sometimes it's needed that you have a spot that you can go to. Not every time. It's not to say that if you make your place this altar, that if this altar is not available, you can't talk to God. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that if you make your place um, um, the, the third oak tree you come to when you leave your house and walk to the north... <laughs> then if you're not at your home, then you can't talk. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is, is as you can see, sometimes a place becomes very important, and some very important things take place in a specific place over and over. Sometimes in order for you to prepare what's coming up next Sunday, in order for you to get ready 
spiritually and mentally to celebrate, maybe you need to go to a particular place. Maybe your place isn't a physical place. Maybe you just need to get your mind to the right place. Maybe you just need to get your spirit to the right place. Maybe your place isn't physical at all. In order for you to prepare to celebrate the single most important event in the history of the world, this is bigger than the Super Bowl. We'll spend money, we'll buy chips, we'll get certain kinds of food, certain kinds of drinks. It'll all be in the right kind of glass and the right kind of plate. We'll make preparation for weeks getting ready for a Super Bowl party. We'll make preparation way ahead of time in order... <clears throat> I didn't know I was going here this morning. I'm glad Montana's not here. Somehow, my daughter decided a few weeks ago that this year she was going to have a Mexican birthday party. Y'all, it ain't nothing Mexican about my family. I don't know where this came from. She, she got her out of ABC books. Is that what that thing? Oriental Trading Book. And she went through marking stuff that would be necessary in order for her to celebrate her upcoming birthday. She has sombreros, maracas, piñatas. <laughs> One of them things that they put on, it looks like a horse blanket that they cut a circle out of and they wear... Y'all know what I'm talking, what do you call that thing? Poncho. She had all this stuff circled and picked out. And I'm going, what? She's going to have a taco truck. <laughs> and she spent all this time preparing to celebrate her birthday. And she asked me and her mama to, to prepare with her. Right? And y'all have done, it may not have been a Mexican, by the way, I... Nilched at. Uh, we had a little discussion about finances and went, hey, we can't spend that kind of money having you a birthday party. It just ain't happening. Um, we'll have to make some other decisions. We're still going to have tacos that day, but it ain't going to be no ponchos and sombreros and whatever. We do that. We, if our child has a birthday coming up, we prepare for that, right? We'll spend whatever money's necessary. We'll buy whatever's necessary. We'll get together whatever people is necessary. And we'll celebrate, won't we? Think of the things that you celebrate in the time of preparation that goes into it. This is the single most important event in the history of the world that we're fixing to celebrate. It's due some preparation. It's due some preparation. It really is. Prepare for this. Sometimes a place is physical. Sometimes a place is where you get your mind. A place is where you get your heart. And there's a multitude of ways to do that, and we're going to get to that here in a minute. But we're going to, we're going to go on through this scripture, 21 verses 4 and 5. All this was done, him sending them to go get the donkey, right? All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, this part of the story was for the purpose of fulfilling a prophecy from Isaiah. Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah, I'm not going there, but it's Isaiah 62.11. It's the scripture that's quoted down here. 
Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. The king of kings is going to come in lowly, sitting on a donkey, the foal of a donkey. It was prophecy from Isaiah, and it had to be fulfilled. Everything had to be done in a specific order. Sometimes our preparations need to be done in a particular order. We need to do it in a way that it's obvious that we're preparing sometimes. Number eight, verse number eight. A very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Now, the disciples, when they got the donkey there, throw their clothes on the donkey so that he would be sitting on their clothes and not the donkey. Others that were of this great multitude started throwing clothes, their clothes on the road. And others cut down tree limbs, palm tree limbs, and laid them in the road. It's kind of like rolling out the red carpet in today's terms. You know what that means, right? You do that for royalty, right? But why were they, what, what was really the root of these things? The root of these things were praise and worship. That was at the root of this. They, they were praising Him. They was worshiping Him. They was bestowing on Him the honor that He deserved. They took their clothes off and put them on the donkey. They put their took their clothes off. They were willing to give whatever they had to give this king the honor that he deserved. Do you see that? They were worshiping Him. They were sacrificing their own stuff. Can you imagine taking off your clothes? We went yesterday. i got to have a new wardrobe. I'm sloppy. Straight up. I'm bad about wearing clothes and then throwing them back in the closet <laughs> instead of in the dirty clothes. Then the next time you go get them, they got a sweat ring around the collar. <laughs> you go, I'm not wearing that nasty thing. Well, finally you get down to where you ain't got nothing to wear. That's where I'm at today. <laughs> I went yesterday and looked at some prices to get in my mind what it would take for me to Upgrade a little bit on my wardrobe. I can't imagine throwing my coat down for some donkey to step on it. Them things is high. Them things cost money. I work too hard. Can you imagine making that sacrifice on behalf of this king? Can you imagine that these people took their clothes off? They didn't have much. This was a great multitude. Why were they praising him? They were pra this, this first part of people, this first block or, or individual group, were people that had followed him. They came here with him. They had seen the things he had done. And it made them want to worship him to the point they were willing to sacrifice the very clothes off their back for him to get the honor that he deserves. The single most important event in the history of the world is coming. What are you willing to sacrifice in order to worship Him, in order to praise Him, in order to celebrate such an event? And how do I get to that place? How do I get to a place where I'm willing to throw my clothes down no matter what they cost? 
How, how, what, what is going to cause me to get to a place in my life where I'm willing to do whatever I've got to do to make sure he gets the honor he deserves in order to make sure he gets the glory he deserves? What's it going to take? I've seen some things he's done. Amen? I've been a part of some things that he's done. So what will it take? Let's keep going. They spread their clothes out. They cut down branches doing anything they could do to make sure that he was getting the praise he deserves to, to make sure that this king of kings was treated like royalty. Then in verse 9, the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They, they sang out. They cried out to praise, to worship, and to honor. What they were celebrating was the entry into Jerusalem of this king. We have a lot of examples of how they done it. How does that translate to me? How does that translate to me today? What does this tell me that I need to do? Well, I came up with a little bit of a list, and you know what? It never fails. I've never one time sat down with a music leader and talked to them about what songs ought to be played so it goes along with my message. I have never done that ever. That playlist this morning was absolutely perfect. Absolute. One of the songs literally said, Remind myself of all you have done. I must remind myself. One of the things that you can do in order to prepare yourself to celebrate the single most important event in the history of the world is to remind yourself of what he has done. I started this week and I started at my salvation. And I, and, I, and I meditated on that, and I thought about that, and I tried to grasp with my mind every detail surrounding that time in my life. And I looked at pre-salvation. I looked at what I was like, where I was at, how I was acting, and I looked at post-salvation, and I looked at everything in between those two times. And it made my heart cry out to God, Praise you! Because where I came from and where I've got to ain't got nothing to do with me. That'll prepare your heart to worship. If you have a time of salvation in your life, if you'll recall that, I'm not talking about make a list. This ain't about you get to the end of the week and you've got a list. This is about you spending time concentrating, meditating, thinking about, praying about, even finding scriptures to go along with what you personally experienced in your salvation. It'll make you thankful. It'll make you want to praise. It'll make you cry out. It'll make you coat, take your coat off and throw it on the ground if that's what he desires from you. It really will. Y'all, we're not where we are because of who we are. You're not. I'm not. I know you think, I think you think your kids is the bee's knees and they can't do no wrong. Let me assure you of something. 
if they ain't got Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they're nothing. They're nobody. Me too. I, some of you, your, your parents hung the moon. You think they could never do Let me assure you, without Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they're nobody. Me too. Your salvation is the single most important event in your life. Think about that. Dwell on that. Meditate on that. And let me tell you right now, point blank, as straight as I can tell you, if that day don't exist in your life, woe is you. Today would be a good day. You get to start the week with something fresh on your memory. <laughs> Meditate on, think about your salvation and the changes that God made in your life, the things he's done for you. Go from there. Thank God for, for your spouse. Thank God for your spouse. Thank, thank God. I don't care if they come in here and sit beside you every Sunday or they've never darkened the doors of a church. Thank God for them. You know, sometimes we want to sit around and, and, and pray and ask God to give us a particular kind of spouse instead of thanking him for what he has given us. You know, if you would work as hard at being the spouse God wants you to be, maybe your spouse would become the spouse you want them to be. Let me say that again. Some of y'all missed it. If you would spend time trying to become the spouse God wants you to be, maybe then your spouse would turn into the spouse you desire them to be. We get so caught up in trying to change somebody else. You ought to just be thanking God for them and asking him what he can do inside of me that would transform me to a place that I can appreciate that and be thankful. Thank God for your spouse. And if you've got a virtuous wife, if you've got a godly husband, praise God. Because <laughs> I can assure you, I spent the week doing this. There's no way I'm where I'm at today without that woman right there. End of story. No way. No way. Without her support, without her love, without her ushering me. And, and trust me, there was a time in our marriage when I was not thankful for my wife. There was a time in my life when I wished she was something else or somebody else. And God finally showed me, what are you doing to make you who she desires? <laughs> what are you doing to make you who I desire you to be? And when I started taking those steps... It was just like some magic transformation right before my eyes. I woke up one day and goes, well, that's exactly what I want. <laughs> that's exactly who I desire. Thank God for your spouse. I'm genuinely, not out of routine, not because Brother Nick told you to, not because I think it's a good idea. Thank God for your salvation. Thank God for your spouse. And listen, if you're not a married person, if you're a single person, this step has not left you out at all. Ask God to make you the spouse somebody else desires. And start working on that now so that you can be the person that when God introduces you to that person, They'll recognize you and go, that's what I've been praying for. Thank God for all he's done in your life. Your family, you can be thankful for your family. 
you can meditate on that. Whether it be direct family, mom, dad, if they're still here with you, the impact they had on you if they're not. Children, your children, grandchildren, whatever your case may be, thank God for that. I'm not talking about making a list. Don't forget, I'm not talking about making a list. I'm talking about you meditating and holding. Remember, we've been talking about holding thoughts. We've been talking about letting things go and holding on to things that are godly, things that are pure, things that are righteous. That's what I'm talking about. Meditate, lock in on these things. Be thankful so that your heart will be ready to cry out when you walk in this door next Sunday so that you are prepared spiritually and prepared mentally to celebrate the single most important event in the history of the world. It's where our hope is. It all hinges on this event. If this event is not real, you can throw the whole book away. Because if we're not serving a living Savior, listen, if we're not serving a living Savior, what is your hope? <laughs> he told us, he would. He tells these disciples that he will. He says, but on the third day, I will rise. Now, they didn't understand that or something. They missed it. They wasn't paying attention because not narrow one of them was standing outside that tomb on the third day. And as a matter of fact, when the ladies who had made the discovery and had heard from the angel came back to tell them, they doubted them. <laughs> it still hadn't clicked. They ran to the tomb, and when they got there and seen it empty, you know what they said? Somebody stole his body. They still didn't get it. It didn't click that three occasions he spent telling them face to face, looking them in the eye and going, this will happen. And, and when it happens... Don't fear, I'll be back the third day. So where were they? Now, if it was that easy for them, the ones that walked with him, the ones that were physically with them, if it was that easy for them to miss something that significant, how much easier would it be for you and I to miss something very significant? You know, when you read through this this week, and that's, that's one, meditate on the things. Like get in the right place, okay? Get your mind in the right place. Get your heart in the right place. Get you physically in the right place and meditate on these things so that thankfulness oozes out of you. Spend time, spend this week reading through the events and the teachings of Jesus from Palm Sunday till, till um, the word just left me, when he got uh, betrayed, Betrayal Friday. And look at this stuff. And think about what's taking place and think about these events and allow it to soak into your heart. The things that I would say would probably some of the most important teaching that he done. It was his last days and he knew it. Judas didn't take him by surprise. <laughs> He'd already told him in advance. My betrayer is among you. He didn't get caught off guard by any of this. He knew it was coming. You know, we look at Judas, and, and, and um, I said this earlier when we were talking about Peter and his denial. We look at Judas, and, and we look at him as a, as a criminal and a crook and a low-down scoundrel. He betrayed my Jesus. 
And I don't know if you know the story of Judas, but after he done that, the guilt hit, the conviction hit. And he went out and found a tall tree and a short rope. He took his own life. But you know, we just read of a scripture where Jesus, where Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me, you're going to betray me. Three times before the rooster crows. Not me. Hey, everybody else in here may stumble. The whole world may stumble. I ain't going to stumble. He stumbled three times. That rooster crowed. This, this is why I don't relate this of them not being at that tomb to memory. Because when that cock crowed, when that rooster crowed, what happened? Peter hid his face <laughs> and started crying and squalling. And he knew what he had been told and he knew what he had done. He betrayed Christ. But then Peter goes on to preach some of the most amazing sermons ever been preached. I'm talking about hordes, thousands of people were converted. You know what the difference in Judas and Peter is? Peter betrayed Christ too. A repentant heart. A repentant heart. God can do anything with a repentant heart. Dwell on that. Look at these things. These are stories that you're going to encounter in this week of reading. In this week of looking at the events. Take this stuff in. Meditate on it. Look at it. Soak it in. So that you will be... Because you know what's the difference in me and Judas? It's a repentant heart. If I had chosen not to repent, I could have had the same end as Judas. Right? That's not because of who I am. That's because of who he is. And that makes me overcome with joy that I have the opportunity to come into this place with this group of people and celebrate the single most important event in the history of this world. And I want you to have that same outlook and that same mindset. And I don't want it to just be another Sunday morning. I don't even want it to just be another Easter. It ain't about bunnies and eggs. It ain't about a basket they find when they get up that morning. It ain't about paying somebody to come to your house and throw plastic eggs so when the kids get up it looks like they've been there. That ain't what this is about. This is much, much, much bigger than that. And the devil wants nothing more than for you to treat it just like any other Sunday or just like any other Easter or just like any other holiday that this world has invaded and taken over and, and tore it down to the point that it has no meaning. Don't let that happen in your household. Don't let that happen in your world. You have control over this. And if you claim to be a Christian, you need to take this one serious. They've took it hostage. Take it back. It ain't by accident. It's because that's what Satan wants it to be. He wants to dumb it down. He wants to convince you it's just another Sunday. He wants to convince you that there's nothing special about it. It's the single most important event in the history of the world. <laughs> Don't let him lie to you like that. Prepare yourself. Spend this week preparing yourself, being serious. You know, there's, there's some religions out there that I, I disagree with wholeheartedly. But they've got some traits we could use. <laughs> the Catholics... They take this serious. They'll all be 
fasting. That scared some of you. Maybe there's something in your house you could do without. You know, I took my own advice over the past couple of weeks. And when I go into my house, I've, I've made it an, an intention to lay my cell phone down and put my Bible over the top of it so that I have to pick this up in order to get to this instead of doing it this way and then I do this and I never get to that. I, I said that a few weeks ago and I've been doing that at my house when I come in in the evenings. That's how I lay my stuff down now. And it forces me to pick this up first. Not that this is evil in and of itself, but when it's before that, now it's evil. Right? Maybe this is what I need to fast from this week if this is my hold up. And I'm not saying I won't have it, so if you need me, you can call me. But I'm saying instead of coming in in the evenings and playing all these games and getting my daily rewards, <laughs> I should get in this and get a real daily reward. Right? There's some other folks out there that celebrate this bigger than we do, and it ain't near as important to them as it is to us. They'll spend more time preparing. They'll spend more money on it. They will. And it's the most important thing that's ever happened to the world for us. Prepare for it. Get ready for it. There's so many ways to do that, and I'm going to leave that up to you. I've given you an incomplete list, and I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to find ways for you to prepare, to celebrate. You know, um, we used to travel around to a lot of different churches. Um, myself, Kevin, um, Kirby, we, me and Kirby had this conversation this week. We got invited one time to a, I think it was at Happy Hill, for a preparation to celebrate the anniversary of the pastor. In other words, they brought us in there to raise money so they could celebrate the anniversary of their pastor. Did you hear me? A preparation to celebrate. They didn't just come in and let it be another day. They prepared for that. They prepared for it. Prepare for next Sunday. Spend, spend the week. I ain't saying you guys take a week off and not do nothing else, but dedicate some time to preparing to celebrate the single most important event in the history of the world. It's where our hope lies, guys. It's where our hope lies. Please don't just let it be another Sunday and don't just let another Easter get by. Take it serious. Prepare to celebrate. Y'all stand. We're going to sing. <clears throat> I know this is one of those uh, messages where an invitation is, is hard, to, hard to lay out, just to be honest with you, because it's more of a, an encouragement and a teaching kind of thing. Not, and, but I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this morning. This altar is open as it always is, and if God has spoken to you about anything under the sun, 
Now's the time to deal with it because it's hard for you to go out and begin to prepare when you're toting the same baggage that you came in with. So we want to give you this time and this opportunity.